welcome to the sounder. The sounder created out of the sounder of Lady Hoggers. My name is Molly from the Copper Penny Farm, and I'm here with my friends as always. Say hello, friends. Hey, y'all. I am Laura Jensen, the pig nerd. Um, we always do a little bit about what's going on uh, in my business life. In case I didn't mention it in the last episode, I'd like to say it everywhere I can. I've registered hog 900. I'm on 914 with the American Mason Breeders Association. So, woohoo, making progress. Look um, at y'all. I know, isn't that, isn't that fantastic from 12 yeah. to 914? But anyhow, I think we'll cross a thousand, uh, yeah, a thousand by the end of the year. Um, in other work, this is probably one of the biggest weeks of the year in terms of my retail store. Uh, we offer a taste of Jensen Reserve that is a um, free live event, 12 to 4 in my barn hallway. Uh, and we put as as many samples out there as we can for people to try things and, and uh, um, get full and whatever it is uh, they want to taste with us. And we're, uh, we've gotten uh, a significant viral response to the uh, event that we've created. So this week is a little bit white knuckling because it always drives store sales, which we appreciate. So we are um, walking that line of what is success and what is too much and what would be um, a negative. You know, you don't want to have an event like that and run out of everything. And then oh, yeah. um, everybody be like, well, it, you know, it was great if they'd have had something to sample. So that's um that's my challenges this week. I'll be in the in the butcher shop um in manufactured foods a lot this week too. Uh and in in personal news, still fighting the crud. Coughing attacks every night. I'm on like night five of it. Um, but we keep swimming and I'll rest in October. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> How about you, Amanda? What's going on out yonder? Well, I am Amanda Buck at Buck Family Ranch, and we are crossing things off our list. So um, we got the skirting on our camper done. It's all up. We still need to seal it off. We are going to replace some insulation because some of it got wet. We had rain last week, which was crazy. Um, so we need to get some of the insulation replaced, but otherwise that's all done. So this week we are going to begin working on our corrals and shelter for our sheep, which is exciting. I am, we were last night kind of out mapping out where we're going to be putting our barn and where things are going to go. And I feel like after all of the crapola with our house, talking about the barn and like this and that was just like, oh, it was refreshing. Yeah. Exciting. That's exciting. Yeah, because I think with a barn, um, it was this way for us in North Carolina, but it's this way here too. You don't have to permit a barn. Uh -huh. um, and I think with that, not that we wouldn't do it, you know, so that it's structurally sound, but it's, I feel like we have much more freedom in how we choose to do that versus building a house. So it was just exciting to yeah. be able to talk about where that's all going to go. But the corral part, we have to get done before the barn we just wanted to have a game plan for where the barn's going to go we'll need to probably borrow some equipment from kellen's uncle this week we're going to run a trench from our um well pump house out to where the corrals are going to go so that we can put in water and electric to have out there so we can put in another frost-free hydrant just so that we're not having to lug buckets all around or figure out how to I don't know, keep waters not frozen. <laughs> I had several yeah. ladies in the Lady Hogger group tell me I need to make sure I have sledgehammers and axes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh boy, what a fun winter you're going to have. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, <laughs> but we want to go ahead and get water and electric run out there just so that we know we're good on that. And then we'll start digging, digging holes. We've got um, 14 posts. We've got railroad ties we're going to be putting in for our corner posts. and. Um, need to get started on that. So that's exciting. Also, um, I think today I'm going to begin working on finally skirting and cleaning the wool that we sheared from our sheep back in May. I have this. Oh yeah. Yeah. Finally I've saved it all this time and I just haven't done anything with it. So I think I'm going to get started on that today. I have some ideas for some things that I want to do just to see what I can make with it. So 
I don't have the tools to like cart it and do that kind of stuff yet. Um, but I would love to begin making some like dryer balls and some things like that just to kind of get my toes wet and yeah. see, you know, see what I can do with the wool that we have sheared. And then I don't, beyond that this week, we're just doing school, football practice, chiropractor visits, that kind of thing. So that's, <laughs> that's about what we've got. What do you have, Molly? Oh God. Well, I had, uh, I had litters born. So that was good. Yeah. I said, I said, of course, the one hog that I did not want to be bred was bred. And of course she gave me 16 babies. (laughs) Um, So I was like, you could stop now. And she just kept going, you know? (laughs) uh, So I still got those. I did, I did lose um, three out of those, but that's okay. Mm Um, and then my guilt, Gorgo, she had a litter on my birthday. Oh, how um, nice. So yeah, midnight rang the bell for my birthday and baby started coming into the world. So, uh, she had 11 of those and, uh, she lost one. So we're down to those, but she's, she's doing really good. Um, and then I got two more litters getting ready to hit the ground. I got a big trip planned going to uh, New Hampshire next, well, in November. Wow. For for my surprise uh, new hogs that I'm adding to my farm. Oh. Yes. And then, uh, you know, just odds and ends. My books are still doing good. I got events coming up. I'm getting to do another festival. Um, It's actually a goat and sheep festival, but they're letting me bring my pigs. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty cool. And, uh, you know, just trudging through life, man, trudging through life. A lot of things going on personally, but I'll get through them and, you know, just keep on going. Yeah. Keep swimming. It's what we do. Yes. So now that we've told everybody everything that we're doing, like we're important, you know, (laughs) y'all ready to get into the talk for today? Let's roll. All right. Let's talk about it. Okay, so today we are going to be like part two. We're going to play off of our Who Made Who um, that we started last week. And we are going to dive in a little bit more on who owns us, what is going on, who owns the food brands, and basically what does the game of Monopoly look like in the food world? Y'all ready? we're ready yep all right let's let's start it off let's start it off with an article as everybody knows uh amanda and laura do all the research and then i just (laughs) bullshit my way through life so uh amanda you want to start us off sure so the article that we are kind of referencing throughout today is from the guardian um that's the name of the article is investigation shows scale of big food corporations market dominance and political power and this was from July 14th, 2021. And I will just mention, like, before we even dive into, you know, all that we're talking about, this article was huge. It touched Mm -hmm. on all kinds of things, not just um, corporations that own the top food companies, but it touched on all the different markets within the food industry, like processed foods, dairy, meats, like, it was massive and it also talked about yeah and beer (laughs) and beer (laughs) it talked about all different kinds of things so I don't think we're going to be able to talk about every single thing that was in this article but we're just going to kind of scratch the surface on it um I I mainly jotted down notes I know Laura she normally will read quotes from from the start of these articles um to kind of like dive into it so basically I will just I just pulled up the article. I'll go ahead and read the first little bit just to kind of give yeah, you. Yeah, I can. I can throw some quotes in there too. I highlighted okay. some things um, okay. just with the coffin fit. I wasn't sure how much I could. I could do so. <laughs> um. So, Laura, if you want, do you want to just kind of go over the first little bit and what what this article was about? <clears throat> yeah, just the first uh, three little lines uh, in it. It starts with a handful of powerful companies control the majority market share of almost 80% of dozens of grocery items bought regularly by Americans. 
A joint investigation by the Guardian and Food and Water Watch found that consumer choice is largely an illusion. In fact, a few powerful transnational companies dominate every link of the food supply chain, from seeds to fertilizers to slaughterhouses and supermarkets to cereals and beer. Yeah. So How about that. Yeah, really. <laughs> it really was crazy. And, you know, first down, it kind of talks about how the companies that are at the top really dictate what farmers grow, how much farmers are paid what consumers eat and how much groceries cost. And so it's interesting how from start to finish, they have control. Yeah, as the article goes on to say, uh, it also means those who harvest, pack and sell our food have the least power. At least half of the 10 lowest paid jobs are in the food industry. Farms and meat processing plants are among the most dangerous and exploitative workplaces in the country. Yeah, because... Because they have, I mean, that we're just the mules, man. We are. We are. <laughs> I, I, I tell people that, you know, we studied about feudal systems and, and the king and, and the peons and all that stuff. And I don't know that we're not still living that, y'all. I think they've called it some different names, but I think we are we are still the peons uh, for those that are in power. Yeah, it just, it just got turned and glamorized another way so it didn't look so fucking shitty. Right. Right. Yep. Put some more manure on us so we'll keep uh, doing their legwork for them. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it is interesting, which, you know, when you think about it, we always talk about, I mean, people talk about how pharmaceuticals rule, how politi- how politics rule, how all this stuff. But we, it seems like people seem to forget that the most basics in life are the ones that are actually being controlled of us. Mm hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tell me more about that, Molly. When you when you say basics, do you mean um, you know, like utilities and food or are oh, you yeah. talking about things deeper than that? Oh no, I'm talking about just just your basics, what you have to have. Your food, your electricity, the fucking power companies rule you as well. Yep. I mean, I know y'all pay a power bill every month. Yep. We learned that like big time when we had to run the electric out to our property to put the power, you know connect power to our property when i mean granted we have a distance to go but there's only one power company that services this area so it was like if we wanted power run we had to pay that amount and the the quote was thirty four thousand dollars that we had to pay before they would we had to pay that before they would even dig a hole to put in a power pole we couldn't be billed that we had to pay it up front so yeah yeah, it's for sure look power companies are in on it too yeah, but, but that's what I that's what I'm saying though. It's like, you know, I lived overseas, right? I went to school overseas and then I lived overseas. All right, in in Italy and Sicily. You know, their food was cheap, right? But your necessities were not expensive. It was your wants that yeah. were expensive. You know, and we here in the States, it's like we're on a total different ballgame right now. Mm -hmm. You know, our necessities are killing us because we can't fucking afford them. Right. Well, and it appears as though these these monopolies are, uh, why? How about that? Yes, it is. Yeah. But people don't realize, you know, they're not looking this up like, like, you know, I would have never known had we not did this podcast and started looking into everything, right? Right. But now that now that you ask questions and you see, it's fucking frightening. It is. Well, you know, and and people are still coming up to me from the first one saying Nathan's hot dogs is owned by the Chinese. Are you kidding me? Yeah. 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 So yeah, it's it's been eye opening. Second, you know, when you are um just touching back on that last episode and how we were talking about the meat industry and stuff. It's interesting to note that just in meat processing alone, two of the top four companies are international. I mean, they're not, they're not American companies. They're Brazil and China. Yeah. So, I mean, that alone, like, okay, they have, they're part of the monopoly on that market and they're not even here in the U S because so, America is not owned by America anymore. Oh, no. it's not not it's not but so 
Uh, what are what are some of the examples that are in there about oh. the monopolized? Who are some of the monopolized? Well, and I, I got to y'all just touched on something that was in here. I have got to find it that um, when you talk about um, who owns what. Um, all right. Um, this is jumping ahead to the meat market. Um, consumers pay more while profits for mega meat processors are booming. Um, JBS in Brazilian, 51 billion in revenue uh, in 2020, 32% uh, rise compared with the previous year. China is driving much of the company's growth. JBS accounted for 50% of beef exports. The proportion of arable land dedicated to producing meat is expanded, but this is largely to feed consumers overseas. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. And, they're, and they're trying to feed us fake meat and bugs. Yeah. yeah. So they can send our meat elsewhere. Yeah. Um, Anyhow, yeah. sorry, that kind of, I know y'all had another another point there but that really startled me quite a it's, bit it's so mind-blowing to me that yeah. uh, that we and and we just well we're not researching we're not knowing you know we're not doing all this but we lack so much control mm -hmm. and it's just it is so worrisome you know mm -hmm. because also us being small farmers, like are all the small farmers trying to produce what they want? We are so restricted as well. You know, it is it's like a double edged sword. You can't be small because you're restricted, but then the the big ones are going overseas. There's like nothing left in the middle for us. Yeah, it does it does feel that way. And you know, I'm I'm one of those farmers that is also producing other artisan foods and trying to claw my way into some sort of market share and you know when 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 you know that these big companies are paying uh, for prime places on the shelf and and they can produce things for pennies compared to what I can produce things for it's incredibly disheartening to think what is what is my future as a small producer scalability yeah. has to be there because I mean I can't simply stand in there and make french onion dip all day every day so um, yeah. The market is definitely skewed against us as small produ producers. Look, it's it's skewed against any farm in America that is producing for Americans, mm -hmm. and you know, and not participating in the food rack, like the food racket. Really, the yeah. monopoly. If if you are not willing to pay to play, that's that's where it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what what is it? It says PepsiCo owns eighty eight percent of the dip market. My, yeah. my poor little pimento cheese and bacon French onion dip don't have much of a hope against that. You know. Yeah. I mean, how how do I overcome that? Yeah. Yeah. But it like also the, goes back. I mean, it goes back to being convenient. You know, people like you can't produce it uh, as people want it. You know. So what are they going to do? They're going to run to the store and they're going to they're going to get them some Frito-Lay or some, you know, big jar ranch dip or yeah, yeah. French onion dip that's been sitting on that shelf or on another shelf or on another shelf since three years ago. Yeah. yeah. And that, that was a conversation my husband and I had this weekend about the food supply. And, you know, I don't put any preservatives and, and chemicals in what I do. It's just not who I am. I don't believe in it. And really to get a greater market share and to move fastest, the answer is to add those things for shelf life yep. because it comes down to the bottom bottom line at the end of the day, the numbers. Yeah. Um, so Have, it's a it's a real ethical predicament that I'm in here. Um, it is. We'll, we'll, we'll just see how it goes. If there's, you know, I always try to look for a healthy alternative, you know, where I use carrot fiber as a binder versus blood from God knows what. Um, and, and maybe in time that market will continue to develop and I can find an alternative that doesn't uh, contribute to health issues on the planet, but it's tough. Have, this is all, have you ever looked at the expiration date on, on like Texas toast? No. no. Don't, you'll be disturbed. <laughs> Dude, that's uh, that shit has the shell has a freezer life of a fucking cockroach, man. Wow. You want a fun it's fact about expiration dates? What? 
they're not required. We yeah. never have to put an expiration date on anything. But if there's ever a recall and we don't have something to distinguish one batch from another, which is typically an expiration date, you got to yeah. recall everything you ever made. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, see, and a lot of people, they, they confuse expiration and sale by. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so here's another limitation that I have um, is my uh, retail non-meat uh, license and, and even manufactured foods, really, back to these dips and spreads. 14 days is all I have. Doesn't matter if it lasts longer unless I can afford a uh, shelf life study that can yeah. prove that um, 14 days is all I've got. And the, and again, when I'm just now starting out, um, I just, I can't do those, those shelf life studies on everything that we produce at this point. So yeah. um, another, another one of those, the, the bigger pockets and those sort of things win, but you know, I keep digging. Well, you know, that plays into this too. You know, there's monopolies of all, I mean, that's a reason that you can go to the store and you can buy anything and it's always there. Because they are so packed full of preservatives. Yes, absolutely. You know, they're, they're so packed full of it. You know, it's it, when you really get to thinking about it, it's quite disgusting that you can go and buy something. You don't know when it was made, where it's been, nothing like that. And it can still last you like 10 more years. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that I think plays into this is uh is marketing i think that the small farmer and the small producer is grossly out marketed by a multi-billion dollar industry where they are training us as consumers us three two to to go buy this and go get that and yeah. they have it so fine-tuned that that i promise you you are going to the grocery store and buying something because you heard an ad you saw something they marketed to you and you don't even know you're doing it and i've yeah. been there so i'm not saying i'm free of it but when you really start looking at sales ads which by the way is just a marketing tool um or they're long on something or something of that nature um marketing is influencing our listeners and everybody in america's buying choices more than they can even imagine. Oh yeah. And, and not only that, but those, the things that they are marketing, it doesn't mean that they're healthier for you. I mean, how you're no. talking about preservatives and all of that. Like if you look at <laughs> like with cooking oils, I know we've, yeah. we've hit on some bigger ones before, but if you look at cooking oils and the linoleic acid that's in those things, um, which we try to eat foods that are lower in linoleic acid, fats that are lower in linoleic acid, just because of the effects of that. So if you look at cooking oils like canola oil and vegetable oils, other seed oils, the linoleic acid that is in those is way high. But these companies can market and sell that stuff because they make it, they can put it out there, they can push it, push it, push it, they badmouth butter right? Yeah. Butter mm -hmm. for you. We're even going to make fake butter called margarine so that you're not buying butter, which mm -hmm. is an product and butter, like grass fed butter is 2% linoleic acid. Whereas there are other seed oils and things that are like 60 and 70% linoleic acid and linoleic wow. acid is something that can contribute to cancer growth and things like that. So free radicals in your body and stuff like that. So it's just kind of crazy how it's like they are pushing and marketing these foods that, that are killing us. Yes. 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 Yeah. Well, God. you know, uh, I work with one of the largest food supply companies in the United States, uh, sour cream, um, cheeses, things like that. Uh, cabbage um, I get from them unless I can get it local, which is pretty rare. Um, and uh, I was talking to my sales rep the other day and he said that really what they're known for is cooking oils and their number one cooking oil that they sell is vegetable oil. Mm -hmm. And if we haven't talked about it, we've got to do an episode on it. Um, my husband found an article that looks at, uh, obesity in America. And I, we, I think we can all agree that something's changed and, and we oh, first God, yeah. go to high fructose corn syrup and things like that. But, but the one that tracks one-to-one -one is vegetable. 
America's yeah. use of vegetable oil tracks with obesity more than anything else. But, but, you know, going back to it, going back to how these things are monopolized, you know, they are producing these products. They can do it at a mass rate. They can do whatever they want to. They can get it into these stores. But, okay, you know, lard is used for, I mean, you can use lard in almost everything cooking-wise, you yeah, know. I do. I absolutely do. I use pure vegetable oil that I know to be pure and lard in everything I do. I ditched that C word when I found out it was causing all the heart problems. Yeah. But it does. But, but there are so many regulations on how you can sell your lard or how you can sell your butter. You know, there's, yeah. there's so many regulations put on it to where what is healthy and produced healthy is not readily available or able for us to get it into a market right well what is uh what is lard mass produced large and lard in the grocery stores has what B bpa or some sort of shelf stabilizer in it yes that it none does want to eat um yep. i can tell you again from my licensing experience that i couldn't i cannot sell my rendered lard wholesale unless i have a federal meat license which, by yep. the way, uh, I applied for in March and I still don't have it. And we're about to hit October. So uh, what's that tell you about barriers uh, to get into that level just to sell rendered lard? Oh, uh, yeah. So it's uh, it is. It's stacked against us. Yeah. So let's get back to it just a little bit on because uh, we can do a whole episode on this shit. Uh, yep. uh, so we you just said, was it Pepsi that owned? Yeah. PepsiCo controls 88 percent of the dip market. Yes. So other other food giants kind of just looking at like the top four or five. Um, you've got Kraft Heinz, General Mills, ConAgra, Unilever, Del Monte, PepsiCo is a big player. Um, and you know, I feel like those are all household names. I mean, we could probably sit here and name off products that each of those companies make. But the other thing to note is that they not only own, they're not only those like big corporations, but they own so many companies. Like that's a huge umbrella, you know? Yeah. Well, and uh, they're also into the political game. They are. I actually, in this article was reading that in the last um, election, they gave political contributions of 175 million like they they put a lot into the election because they know i mean they know whoever is leading and putting out you know laws and all these things they want those people to be helping them yeah so of course they're going to contribute money to you know, campaigns and stuff. So yeah, they're pretty involved. The food industry is involved in a lot more than just food. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 And, it, and you know, and that's, and that's frightening as, as well too, you know, because it's just another control mechanism on what we as consumers are allowed to get. Yeah. yeah. Um, as, as this article goes on to say, big food is getting bigger. The big firms are helped by so-called category captains who represent leading brands or manufacturers. And they work with major retailers to decide which pro products get prominent spots on the supermarket shelves. Then there's slotting fees, payments to big brand manufacturers <clears throat> for eye-catching product placement and makes it very hard for new independent brands to get a break. And when they do get a tiny foothold, it often doesn't last. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're not going to, like, I know a woman that makes spices, right? Mm -hmm. She does spice blends. Okay. Well, she can own, like, she can't get her stuff into large, um, you know, like Harris Teeters, Costco's. She can't, Walmart, she can't get them into those. She can only get them into small uh, family owned or something like that, you know, grocery stores, they give her a stand for her spices, you mm -hmm. know, but when you look at it, I think in that article, I think Amanda said it before we started that, or maybe it was you, Laura, uh, that said that family owned small grocery stores are becoming almost extinct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there is, um, it goes on to talk about supermarket chains dominate and it says supermarket mergers drive out smaller mom and pop grocers 
and regional chains. We have roughly one third fewer grocery stores today than we did 25 years ago, according to the U.S. Census Bureau. And by the way, Walmart um, showed a 3% uh, increase uh, if this was written in 21, that would have been 2020. So the big keep getting bigger and they keep pushing out us small guys. Yeah. yeah. Well, on the top, it was interesting too, because it was like the top, I think, three grocery stores was Walmart, Costco, and Kroger. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And I feel like yeah. those, I, I mean, those are everywhere. We don't have Kroger's here, but we do have stores that I think Albert, no, Fred Meyer, maybe is part of the Kroger. That, that's, that's Kroger. Yeah. They've got so, a bunch of different names. Hey, I'm pretty sure Fred Meyer is part of the Kroger circle. So, I mean, we have all of those here. We have Walmart's, Costco and Kroger's. So but, they're there. You know, I find it, I find it funny though, because like, I remember when they put Walmart into uh, where I grew up, right? Mm -hmm. People were camping out to go into the fucking Walmart. Yeah. You know, but but you get a small local one, right? You get a small one that maybe maybe it's, you know, they're, they've got fresh produce from who's around, local butchered meat, they got whatever. You know, they... People aren't going and camping out when that opens. No, and, and I have been uh, diving deep into this because my retail store sales have been up and down. Uh, everybody assumes that we're making bank uh, at the retail store. And the reality is that we have many struggles and we've been close to, to going out more times than I can count. And I think there is a definite correlation into advertising and sales. And again, as a farmer, I don't know these things, you know, I, I know how to grow meat well, and that's where this whole thing started from, but yeah. um, running, running ads and uh, developing a budget to do that has made a ton of difference. Now we're, we're still not, you know, it's not where we need to be, but it's getting better. And, and one of the things I've done is just run more Facebook ads. Um, yeah. you know, and, and, and I'm trying to always trying to improve my email marketing. So I, I agree with you, Molly, but I think it's, again, the deck is stacked against people that go in it with a good heart or the intent of providing quality local foods. And they're working with people like me that don't have a ton of margin in things because I'm, you know, I'm kind of the low man on the totem pole in terms of my buying power. And then if you're not marketing, advertising, whatever you want to call it, um, it, it just stops working. It's not relevant to the consumer. They stop going in the store. Um, they keep going to where they're marketed to, which look at your commercials on TV. Walmart's not selling anything. They're just putting it in front of your face. Just yep. remember us. So yep. um, I think I think that's a whole nother subject. I think that's a long-legged spider, but there's something to that in how uh, small producers can um, maintain and build. Yeah. Well, it's, it's extremely hard, you know, like you said, you know, for somebody like us to open up something, I mean, it, we, we got more money or Lori, you know, this, I mean, you did your own. I mean, when, yeah. what, how long did it take you to make money? I haven't yet. Yeah. You know, that's, that's the thing is, is, you know, we can, we could make the best or open up the best store or whatever, but how long is it going to take us to make our money? I mean, it's going to take a long fucking time. So, you know, I've been doing this seven years and there's only one of the other roughly five stores in my area that opened up under the same principle that are still here. Mm -hmm. um, they, they just couldn't make it. So, you know, our situation is different in that uh, I took on the Mayshawn recovery effort in 2020 and you know, I, I've had this mindset that because we're farmers, we have we have an advantage and really it's a disadvantage, you know, because we're, we're yeah. carrying all the production costs and all the variables that you don't have to and a lot of other things. So at the end of the day, I've got three startup companies that are, um, you know, the store's gone into year seven. But at the point we took on the registry and um, the live hog, the breeding operation, you know, we, we were still under five years in a startup, and that was probably one of the worst things we could have done um, for my sanity. <laughs> and our cash flow was to, to take on that opportunity. So 
Um, this is what the federal license is really about for me is to be able to open up my products wholesale. And, and that is where uh, the store will then become profitable. Um, I've never taken a check out of the store. We, we pay our people, of course. Um, but um, at the end of the day, we don't have rent, saves us, you know, saved us many times. And we're able to help out because of our other businesses that we run. But um, it's not, it is not all the unicorns and rainbows that people think it is. It is a very, very tough fight. I mean, we're in the ditch every day, scratching and digging. But it goes, you know, also it goes back to people educating themselves and making better choices. Yeah. You know, there was a part uh, in a time that I was really frustrated for as hard as we work down there. And I hear from a lot of people and this is going to rub some people wrong. Maybe it's this cold and cough that um, I'm speaking so freely today, but I'm going to say it. If everybody that told everybody they got all their meat from me actually bought their meat from me, we'd be okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, it but it, it goes all around and it's just, you know, these, these people, these larger Pepsi and fucking, uh, what Del Monte, all those people, you know, they're able to mass produce and get this out there, you know, and, and air people make a choice to go buy that because in reality, right. we can't produce all that. Well, and if, and if nothing else, if from this podcast, the awareness of how we are manipulated via marketing and who we're supporting with our dollar becomes a trending topic. I've done my job. That's yeah. that's what it's about. Well, I, speaking, I think, speaking of, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, I feel like that's one of the biggest takeaways from this is that, you know, there it's difficult to find every single, it can be difficult to find every single thing that you would buy in the grocery store locally because mm -hmm. i mean the things that i can buy here geographically you may not be able to find there just like the things that you guys have i may not be able to find here so i feel like if if more consumers can do their best to eat seasonally or eat things that you would find locally and then just give a smaller amount of your dollars to these larger corporations we can begin to see a balance and begin to see the small farmer grow and you know thrive better thrive. But, what a word for a small farmer right? wow yeah. that'd be huge but i also think when you're talking about the marketing and like advertising and doing this and doing that people who do not have a, a marketing background i feel like can find that intimidating they don't know where to start absolutely absolutely and if you don't have a social media following and you're trying to use social media it's like I'm sitting in a room talking to myself saying, hey, come well, see so, us. Social media can't be the answer when people are only seeing 9% of those posts. Yeah. So yeah. I feel like it's it's kind of, it's a tough place to be when you have products or you're working on, I know for us right now, like we're trying to figure out, okay, what can we, what can we do to kind of begin to generate buzz so that when we do have products, we've got a customer base. Like what can we be doing right now? And I think it's really just, I know for myself, I'm trying to share more consistently in stories. I don't know tons of people here, but when we're out, I try to talk about, oh yeah, we have a small farm. We raise Navajo char sheep. We do this, we do that. And just don't just like talk about it. You need to talk about it because that's, that's what your life is. That's what you're doing. Don't be afraid to talk about people. One thing, talk about people don't be afraid to talk about what you're doing to people I feel like um we recently recorded a special podcast episode and one of the things that um our guest mentioned was don't care what people think and I think that that's something that a lot of small farmers get caught up in like mm -hmm. we don't want to share our opinions because we don't want to step on people's toes we don't want to overshare what we're doing because we don't want to be annoying we don't want to but really stop caring what people think and just get it out there. Market yourself. Market what you're doing. Don't be afraid to talk about it. Show people, you know, do whatever. Because I feel like the more noise you create, the more attention you're going to grab. And people are either going to be attracted to that or not. But it would be that way whether you were making noise or not making any noise. So if they're not attracted but, to it, that's not bad. I mean, that's still, they still know about you. Exactly. <laughs> We we are our we are our own billboard. We are a walking yes. billboard for our place. Yes. 
Yeah. You know, we don't get billboards on the interstate. Like that's yeah. not, we don't get those. We don't mm-hmm. get the big cardboard cutouts in the stands at the gas stations and the fucking grocery stores. You know, we mm-hmm. have to be, we have to do it ourselves. Somebody told me the other day, they were like, all I ever see you in is a copper penny farm shirt. And I'm like, yeah, you know, because I wear it everywhere because so many people, they're like, what's a copper penny farm, you know? Uh, and then, yeah. and then I tell them, I'm like, that's my farm, you know? And I tell them about it, but you know, we have to be our own walking billboard because we don't have the money nor the uh, resources that these top monopoly people have. Yeah. Yep. But we're but we're being sold lies and and bad products for our bodies, you know, and people don't even they see a commercial of Cardi B or some celebrity drinking a soda and they're like, damn, I need to get that tomorrow or right yeah. now, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah, just just to piggyback off the sodas, 93% of sodas are owned by three companies. So when you're when you're buying those sodas that Cardi B or any other celebrity is telling you to drink, you're supporting one of those three companies. Yeah. The other thing about these companies too, the, these big names, is that when you go to like look up, okay, who owns this company? It's really hard to get a straight answer, which we kind of talked about that in the last episode, how as you're researching, you have to really dig to figure out. And really the people who are kind of like the top holders in these large companies, they are like uh, investment groups, but those investment groups have holdings in a lot of the other top companies. So really when you boil it down, it's kind of like, these investment groups own them all. Yeah. 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 And this article goes on to say uh, too, that private labels account for 66% of the market share and that it is difficult to know who's really making it. Um, but there you go. I mean, that's, that's the the big getting bigger again. So yeah, but that that's also a money game. That's just a distribution of money. Sure. It is. It is. But I think it just goes to show you that that's, that's the world that we're living in right now. It's not about the health of the people. It's not about making food affordable. It's not about, you know, but, it's about the good, good for the people. What it is about is who's going to make the most money at the end of the day. What products are they going to put in your face? The other thing that you have to think about too, is they're, they're like pushing all of these products and all these products and all these products. The vast majority of them are processed foods because that's where they're going to make their money. They're making things cheaply and putting it out there. You, you can't, you can't, uh, I mean, obviously there's still branding on produce and meats and things like that. But I feel like with the processed foods is where they're going to make their most money because it's cheaper ingredients that go into those things. They're putting it out, putting it out, putting it out. And those are the foods that make us the sickest. Well, then that taps into the pockets of the pharmaceutical company. So it's like, it's all, it's all one big thing. And when you realize that the food companies are playing in the political game too, it helps you better understand when you can, when you can tie the food industry to politics, politics to pharmaceuticals. It, it's just like one big circle going round, round, round where they're all putting money in each other's pockets, and we're the ones paying them. But yeah. we, but we have been, we have been brainwashed, right, to believe that we cannot live without these products. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that in a few generations' time, because of the convenience. And because of how we do things now compared to how things were done, even like in my grandma's times, um, yeah, we're, we're so convinced in our own minds that we can't live without certain things. And really we can, we can, it's just been so ingrained because of, you know, I feel like, I think I talk about this with my, with my mom all the time, like the invention of the microwave, like it's awesome. Great. But at the same time, like if you think about all of the EMFs and everything that come off of a microwave, it's, it's radiation, like you're <laughs> radiating your food, basically. Um, but, but you're radiating food that's already awful compounded pork. with right. so much other shit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But so like, with me, um, go ahead, Amanda. 
I was just going to say at the time that I told my mom, you know, I think I'm going to get rid of my microwave because I just feel like it's not really doing anything healthy. I can reheat food in the oven just as easily or, you know, whatever. And she would be like, why would you do that? A microwave is an amazing thing. And I'm like, yeah, but I just feel like it, it could affect your health. But it's like her mom, when they were kids, they didn't have one. So mm -hmm. they got one time that my parents got married and they thought they were living high on the hog because they had a microwave. Right. And so I feel like it's just been in a matter of a generation or two that things have so drastically changed and we just have it in our minds. Oh, this is the way we do things. When really it's yeah. like how people existed for thousands and thousands of years. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We, oh. um, growing up, we got the first microwave in our community and I remember people coming by and everybody standing around the microwave while uh, my parents put a, a, an egg in a cup and um, cooked that egg. So, so yeah, it is relatively new. Uh, I just wanted to add from my food licensing perspective, um, I own every food license except dairy manufacturing. And I looked into that at one point, but that's another story. And I can tell you in what's required of me is there really aren't limits on what I can put on my label. Nothing's restricted. Um, nothing is a no-go. Um, and, and the only uh, place that it comes back to you is if 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 I were to produce something and Amanda, you ate it and you got sick immediately, a food recall comes in or maybe there was a foreign object in it. But there is nothing that tells me that I can't put little pieces of poison effectively in food and sell it because you didn't get sick right now. How about that? I mean, it. the whole thing is just fucking, it's like a purge, man. Mm-hmm. I swear to God, it's like a purge, but we're, but we are all walking around, you know, on rainbows when really there's somebody coming behind us to cut her fucking head off. Oh yeah. Well, I think so many people walk around like, why, why are people so sick? Like, why do we have such an issue with obesity? Why do we have so many problems with cancer? Why do we have so many issues with gluten allergies, food allergies in general? And it's, because of the foods we are putting in our bodies. Yep. Because yep. of because the people, the things that are going into stores that we're buying off store shelves, they, like we just said, they don't care about your health. They care about your dollar. Yeah. 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 Well, it goes, they, you know, look at her, look at the meat, you know, go back to the meat. So, you know, Laura sells meat and I started selling meat. If you don't see the difference in the meat, Yes. That, that you're getting from somebody like me, Laura, you, Amanda, whoever, us. If you don't see the difference in that meat and what's in the store, then I, I don't need you to buy my meat because you're lost. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, that'll be the customer that says it was too much. They paid too much for it. When in reality, we're probably barely getting by uh, on what we are getting for it. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And. And those and that and that and those meat companies, they're not even American owned now. Right. 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 Our customers say all the time that um the the grocery store meat's getting worse and worse, that it's it's uh definitely um backslid since COVID. Uh so you know, and, and our sales have been up and I contribute a lot of it to our listeners here on the podcast that do realize there's a difference and an awareness out there and they can support local even if they don't want to own a hog um so i do think all this being said that we're also at a time where there is a revival of what we do and a greater understanding and and a desperate need for producers like us in the country so um i think we're just going to see that grow and i hope that it helps us and all the other small producers out there um keep going i would agree Really quick, I, I would agree because I feel like right now we're in such a weird time. Like, I don't know if you feel it, but I personally have been feeling like it's like you're standing on the beach and you see this huge wave coming. <laughs> That's yeah. how I have been feeling recently, just with all the things going on in the world. And I feel like we are kind of right there. And I feel like this is the perfect opportunity for small farmers to really put themselves out there and see what can happen 
because I feel like more and more people, just like we've mentioned before, they're really starting to question things and their eyes are a little more open. They're not wearing the rose colored glasses all the time. And so I feel like for small farmers, this is the perfect opportunity to really start putting themselves out there, talking with more people, getting involved in their communities and just building and growing and seeing where things go. Because I, I don't know, I, I feel like people, we're not the only ones who have this sense that something is going on and yeah. there's, there's, there's a lot more people out there. I feel like who kind of have our same mindset and have their eyes open and are starting to realize things and connect the dots and need, have the, the need and have the desire to want to support small farms or, you know, find healthier foods locally, but they just don't know where to go. And so that's mm -hmm. why small farmers need to start making, making noise. We need to start making noise. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, I think, you know, in terms of what, what can everybody do? I think the consumer um, if if they would take that that extra time and trouble to to find a small producer and support them wherever they can, it would make a huge difference. And on the farmers, I think you nailed it, Amanda. It's get out there, get your name out there, um, do what you can. I mean, we've even put flyers up at our local farm stores uh, and business cards at gas stations and things like that. So there are things that can be done that aren't just social media to get your name out there. And I think in, in, in the middle of both of those, uh, we could, we could help the small farm movement dramatically. Yeah. And it's, you know, trying to help, we've talked about this before. Uh, it's trying to help people understand their choices, but also, you know, we need to get back to, you know, like we said, we are, we are an obese country. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. I mean, I'm a big girl myself. I like to eat. I do. But um, we need, we have a, a skewed mindset of what we need for intake. You know, how many times, you know, it's like we all, we feel like we're at a buffet all the time. Yeah. You know, and so I think that people really need to start thinking about, you know, their intake and what, and their choices about what they are using for their intake. Like Amanda mm -hmm. said, you know, seasonal think think more seasonal we're going to get well i mean we need to get back to the old times man to like the cavemen you know like we need to get back to you need to live off because these things are coming to fruition at the times that they should because maybe that's what your body needs in those time in those seasons you know mm -hmm. that's why we have seasonal vegetables seasonal fruits that's why you butcher animals at certain times because it is a season for those items to be ate mm -hmm. by nature. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think too, if you are eating food that is real food, you will find that you're not hungry all the time. When you you're feel eating, better. Yeah. yeah. You feel so much better. You have more mental clarity. There's so many things that play into that. I feel like when you are pumping your body full of these foods that are over-processed endocrine disruptors, like all kinds of things that your body does not naturally process. Your body doesn't know what to do with it. And so it gets stored away for a rainy day. Like, I don't know what to do with this. I'm going to stick it over here. And I think that if you are eating real foods, you're going to find that you're much more satiated than you would be just eating the processed thing where you finish it. And then 20 minutes later, you're like craving something else. Um, and so I think that eating seasonally is very important um, because it's it's good for your body. It's good for your body's needs. It's also, I think, better for the, <laughs> I'm not a hippie, but I think it's better for the environment um, just because you're eating things seasonally. And then if you were eating real meats, you know, ones that aren't overly processed all the time. It's nice to have things from time to time. I'm a huge fan of charcuterie. I would consider that, I guess it's a cured meat more so than a processed meat. I'll say that. Right. Yes. Um, I, I love that. Well, kind of depends on where you buy it from. The yeah. uh, modern prosciutto process is uh, scary. So anyhow, I'll just leave that there. Yeah. So, <laughs> there's no, there's no way that you can go and buy trays and pound bags of salamis at by bulk and it was done the way it was supposed naturally supposed to be done 
Correct. You know what I mean? No, but I do think that if you eat foods that for the most part are not super processed and you're eating good quality meats, you're going to find that you're very satiated. Even if you're eating smaller amounts, you're going to find that those triggers in your brain that are like addicted to carbs and processed foods and things like that are not going to be going off constantly because you're giving your body what it needs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Y'all know I've lost a, a fair amount of weight and fixed diabetes naturally and when I when my kids want to go to the popular drive-throughs now I am really shocked at a number one meal at, at how many sugars and carbs they're consuming uh with, the, with a drink at a number one or the fucking price of it oh there's that there's that <clears throat> you know it's it's insane I mean I'm I mean I couldn't imagine if I had a bunch of, I mean I got a bunch of hogs I gotta feed but if I had to feed actual humans right now, we would be starving. Yeah. Yeah. You want, uh, like, getting back to the, the companies, like the, the monopolized companies, uh, speaking of Del Monte, I had a, uh, like, you can buy the taco shells or whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. Okay. I had some hard shell tacos in a box in the back of my cabinet. I, and they had to have been bought when I first moved here, and I didn't know that they were back there. So wow. that was like five years ago. And this has been a couple, like when I thought I was moving, I was cleaning out everything. And I uh -huh. found this box back there, and I opened it up. And do you know that they were still, like I opened up the package, and they were still crunchy. <laughs> and the expiration on them was in 2018. Ooh. Wow. And I was wow. like, that's scary. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Like, how is it still crunchy? Like, <laughs> yeah. Chemicals and preservatives. Yeah, yeah. What were some of the others on there, though? Delmont, what else was it? In, um, in it was Kraft Heinz, General Mills, ConAgra, Unilever, and Delmonte. And Unilever, I mean, they're involved in all kinds of things, too. They're not just. Foods right. and stuff, their personal care products, I, baby wipes, like all kinds of things. Huh. Well, yeah, you know, and the, the new thing, have you seen the thing going around about the mayonnaise now where it says it's bioengineered or whatever? Have you seen that? I have mm. not. I, I've seen a bunch of buzz about bioengineered stuff on a sourdough group I'm a part of. Yeah. How, um, baking powder like clabber is that what it is yes clabber girl clabber girl. clabber girl yeah yeah that one and there was another one both now have labeling on their have a label on their packaging saying that they contain bioengineered ingredients that's weird isn't it that's so now, another, another topic we need to we need to look into that and see what that's yeah. about yeah like what the heck yeah, yeah. uh let's see yeah so it's Hellman's. Hellman's yeah. now has a uh, label on it that says that it's uh, that it has bioengineered food ingredient. Well, I'm glad I use Kraft, but still, I need to know more about this. Dude, I'm a, I'm a Dukes. If Hellman's does, I bet they all do because I feel like. I mean, for so many of those companies, it's like one one production company, and they just stick the different labels on it. You know? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's it's interesting. Yeah. That's also uh, that's yeah. another another topic. But yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a different. It's a it's a whole other thing. I mean that, but this all goes together. You know? It does. It's just one big circle. I feel like you start at one point, you work your way around, and eventually you get right back to where you started, and it's just. It's such a big thing and it's such a big topic. And this is like just scratching the surface. There's so much more to it. I feel like you could really just keep on breaking it down, breaking it down, breaking it down, breaking it down. And really the takeaway at the end of the day is if you care enough about your own food security and the health of the food that you're putting in your body, buy it from a farmer or grow it yourself. Yep. Yeah. Cut out but... the middleman. Cut out the middleman. It's going to be inconvenient. But if you really care, 
just, you got to figure out your own priorities. And I understand not everybody has the time in their day to be able to do that. Um, I know for myself, I don't, I, I currently have to shop at the grocery store because I don't, I don't have the time in my day right now. It seems like I probably should because I am a stay at home mom, but I don't have the time in my day to grow all of my own food or seek out farmers and do all this stuff. I think you have to prioritize and then just work at it a bite at a time. You don't have to like rip off the bandaid and do it all at once. That's incredibly overwhelming. But I think just taking baby steps to work on making your actions align with your priorities, you'll get there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Baby step it. Definitely. (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely. That's the way to do everything. Yeah. Yeah, There's no way that we can grow all of our own, but we all can find Mm -hmm. somebody that has what we, the, the, the necessities of what we need. Yeah, Mm -hmm. for sure. So what do you all, so what is your honest feelings about (laughs) these articles? Like if you could say in two sentences or one sentence about what you think is going on, what would you say? Uh, To me, it just becomes more clear that uh, our food supply is not about the health of us as Americans that as a country, essentially everything seems to be against us right now, that it's about everything except how Americans can be healthy, happy, and thrive. Yes. Yeah. What do you think, Amanda? I think along the same lines as Laura, and I know we say it all the time, I think it all goes back to control when when these large corporations who are involved in politics, meaning they're all connected, government, it's all in it. When they can all line each other's pockets and have a little bit more control over the individual, they've got us. And so if they're controlling our food, they're controlling our pharmaceuticals, and they're controlling us at a political level, what else can we do? You know, so I feel like my biggest takeaway from all of this is stop playing into it. Find a way, find a way to stop playing into it. You know what we can do? We can start a podcast. And we can talk about it and we can find our people and it's working. When we were trying to, when we were trying to think of, you know, what to call this and we were looking up monopoly, you know, I think that the monopoly slogan own it all speaks, speaks volumes. I think it speaks volumes. I think that we have, I think that we have been bought, you know, I think that we're, you know, we're, we're not getting a get out of jail free card here, you know, Um, (laughs) I think we've, we've lost our home and everything at this point. Yeah. Uh, Putting the motel on Park Place currently. (laughs) Yes. Yes. You know, I think that's what it, I think that's what is in the works to happen but you know we can't make the we can't own like us as small farmers we can't provide it all but i think that the control is being put over us to make us believe that we you know it's playing with our minds it's everything we're being brainwashed to think that we can't survive without pharmaceuticals we can't survive without processed foods without food dye without all this stuff we're made to think that we can't survive without those but it's simple man we just have to go back and hit and like everybody says how did we survive before Mm -hmm. yeah yeah well so it is interesting that you say that because just this morning i watched a reel from this girl who i follow i'm going to mention her and her farm just because she's a montana girl And her name is Desiree and they are Mountain Dog Farm in Montana. And she shared a reel this morning or recently, I saw it this morning about how she just doesn't care. She doesn't care that these companies are doing this, that the government's doing this, that this is, they have set their life up so that the rules don't apply. Like they live a hundred percent off grid. They, they provide their own food or barter with other other farms in the area they offer services they train they train dogs to um get rid of predators on other farms so one of the main things that they will get rid of for people are mountain lions because that's a big issue out here 
So I don't know, but when I saw that, it just hit me. And I was like, you know what? That's how I want my life. I want my life set up. So I don't care. It does not matter to me what kind of craziness is going on out there. I've got it together right here. Mm-hmm. And right yep. now, just like I mentioned, I don't have time to do every single thing, but I'm taking baby steps. And I hope that we can encourage others to do that same thing. If you are feeling the anxiety of the looming wave, getting ready to crash on the shore, like just take your baby steps, find our community. If you haven't found us yet, I hope you do, <laughs> but find our community yeah. and, and just take your baby steps and let's, I don't know. Find, find a way to make it so that all these things don't matter so, so much. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. You know, I think that's what the beauty, we never thought that we, I never envisioned us on the podcast taking this route. No, that was never what it was started for. No, no. But you know I feel like we have found our calling. <laughs> yes. Well, I learned so much every time we do this. I mean, I, I knew that some of this existed, but to be able to take time and then talk about it with um, you ladies and and bounce the thought off of each other, it's really educated me uh, a lot on the reality of our our food system. Yeah. You know, like somebody messaged me the other day and they said, I went to the grocery store after I listened to your all the podcast last week, right? Mm-hmm. She's like, I went to the grocery store and I started looking at labels. And she's like, I came out of the store with four products. Mm-hmm. She's like, because she was like, I was fucking mortified about what I was seeing that I had been eating for so long. You My know? husband told me that this week too. <laughs> yeah. Finally. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but anyways, well, so this is part two. We're just going to keep on going and digging into it. And it is, yeah. like you said. It, you know, we would have never, I would have never looked it up. I would have just kept on, but I live in a bubble too. Like, I don't worry about things in the world. I mean, people can shit on me. I've never voted. I don't, I don't get into those things because, you know, I try to keep myself and live the way that I want to live, you know, mm-hmm. and it, sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's not, not so good. But Mm -hmm. I do feel like we do need to inform people so that they can create their own healthy bubble for themselves. Absolutely. I've done the same thing with my community and and meat skills are something that um, I see as a a tradable thing that I have. But I'm the same. I I try not to watch the news. If it's real important, it'll show up in a feed somewhere. And otherwise, I choose happiness because the the world is not a happy place. It is not. But we make it happier. We do. Go us. Woo woo. Woo woo. All right. I love seeing you guys as always. I love you all so much. I'm so glad to have you as my friend. I'm so proud of the community that we're building. And how about y'all go feed them damn hogs and them churros? All right. Bye, y'all. All All right. See you later. Bye.